Greetings, friends. Welcome back to the Film Alchemist Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, here for a brief introduction before tonight's very special episode. Guys, if you're here with us, we hope you enjoy spending time with us. If you're new, we hope that you will. Please hit subscribe, and if you could be so kind, please leave us a rating and review wherever you find the pod, especially if that happens to be Apple Podcast app. A quick five stars, a quick sentence or two about why you enjoy spending time with the show helps us out enormously, helps us find those new listeners that we covet. The only thing we seek is the praise of others. Never mind, that's not important, but please leave those rating and reviews. You can follow our uh, and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Film Alchemist. We have some new projects there that we're working on, especially in this upcoming year. It should be a good time. Find us in all the social media that you're on. Also, you can email the show, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com, with your suggestions for movies you'd like to hear covered, guest double features, all that good stuff. You still have time, in fact, to give us your selection for our December stocking stuffer event. We have enough movies. But if you have an amazing suggestion, you could still bump off one or two of the week and take your place among the stocking stuffed. Um, so get at us. You have to do that by probably Monday. And if you're good enough, we'll bring it into the fold. All right, guys, tonight. Oh, I forgot. Before we get going any further, um, you can find our T Public link on any of our social media. If you want to buy some Film Alchemist gear, the shirts are amazing. I recommend the Tri-Cotton Blend. Also, if you're looking for gift ideas, why not give your friends and their significant others the gift of a smooth, clean, properly hygienized, hygiene, hygienic, that's the word, hygienic genitals for this Christmas. That's right. Manscaped has you covered. Um, go to manscaped.com. They have a wide array of uh, grooming uh, accoutrement. You can get underwear that are game changing. I'm not kidding you on that. Ball deodorant trimmers, all the things you'll need to be properly smoothed as you jettison back to the origin of our species. Um, You don't want to stop at that hairy man phase. You want to go back to that primordial, silky smooth whirlpool phase. That'll make sense soon. When you do check out at Manscaped, make sure to use our code FILM for 20% off and free shipping. Uh, We love partnering with Manscaped. The products are amazing. You uh, will be thanked by friends and their loved ones. You should get one for yourself. It's all good stuff. Get on that. All right, guys, tonight we are joined by writer and director Andrew Merrill. Now, we were introduced to him by our friend Josh Lobo. He of I Trapped the Devil fame. Make sure you go out and rent and buy that movie. It is awesome. Josh told us how great Andrew was, and that Andrew had made a movie called Rot, which you can also buy or rent on Amazon Instant Video. Um, And as Andrew reminded us, tell people that it's very important when they buy Rot to make sure to leave a five-star rating and review. So do that for Rot. Josh's movie, I Trapped the Devil, all that. Um, So on Josh's recommendation, we reached out to Andrew, and he blew us away. He's such a a funny, sharp, um, just kind. He has an infectious joy that I loved. It was a blast to dig through the many, many layers and meanings of altered states. That's right. William Hurt getting into the sensory deprivation tank. I don't know how much sensory he had because he pretended his wife and kids didn't exist. Neither here nor there. It's one rich man's journey through drugs uh, all the way back to Harry Ape Man at the zoo, to Whirlpool, to some kind of whatever else, right? There's a lot to unpack in Altered States. It is a visually stunning, wild Ken Russell adventure. And we could not have been happier uh, than to have Andrew along with us on this journey. I mean, again, just one of those guys that so far exceeds your expectations of him. Um, 
Hopefully he'll be back. Make sure, guys, to rent and buy his movie, Rot, on Amazon Instant Video. We will be covering that in our next episode. And believe me, you're going to want to buy it because it's one of those movies you're going to want to watch a couple times to make sure to take apart. It's a very interesting film. Um, so yeah, without further ado, here is Altered States with our friend, Andrew Merrill. Alright guys, here we go. Uh, tonight, joined on this special episode to discuss an awesome movie, Altered States. I knew our paths would cross with this movie eventually. Uh, joined tonight by the director of a movie that we'll be covering next week, Rot. Uh, Andrew Merrow, welcome to the Film Alchemist. Woo! Woo! <laughs> That's the kind of high energy That's I've been waiting the for. most enthusiasm we've had on this show. <laughs> <laughs> all right andrew for having me yeah of course man so we watched rot your movie everyone go check out rot again we'll be covering it next week we adored it um so we got to talking would you like to uh introduce altered states and why you thought this would be an awesome movie to cover tonight you know i, I would um i definitely did not think about how crazy this movie was when i'm like oh i have to like probably do a synopsis of this and i do not want to do a synopsis of this movie <laughs> Okay, I'm gonna try, and I've got I've got IMDb up for the names. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, basically, all I need to do is the synopsis is this is a Ken Russell movie. Sure. <laughs> That's That'll get you there. Yeah. <laughs> um, William Hurt is a is a scientist, and they're studying um, schizophrenia, and they're using a sensory deprivation tank to kind of break down your consciousness from what <laughs> I understood. And okay. basically from the get-go, William Hurt's like, oh, me likey this. I like <laughs> sensory deprivation tanks. I like out-of-body experiences. Yeah. And he's like one of those guys that he he's just one-track mind. Like he's like, mm. this is what I'm doing. Um, and basically everything else in his life takes a backseat to his um, to his research. Yes. And one of uh, the students at the school he works at, um, so he's Eddie, he meets Emily, they end up getting married, and then almost immediately it like hard cuts to seven years later and they're almost <laughs> getting a divorce yeah. because he's a terrible yeah. Husband and father. <laughs> I think that was filed in my notes as the least shocking plot reveal of all time. <laughs> I like their meet cute at the hospital, though, where she's just like, damn it, getting married's the right thing. I can't remember exactly how she phrases it, but she's like, I just want it, right? So I think yeah. she, she refers to, let me see, I actually think I wrote it down, right? She's like, uh, when we're making love, I feel like I'm being harpooned by a raging monk who's receiving God. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. <laughs> So let's get married. <laughs> and then he just walks out after he ignores her, just blows her off. He walks out in the hallway and he's like, I mean, fine. If it means that much to you, I, I guess we're getting married. Uh, I'll probably never do better than you. Maybe. And I was like, oh, that's adorable. He's very clinical. And the whole audience is going, red flags. Red flags. <laughs> 
actually actually wrote in my notes that proposal we all wish it could be that clinical like hey yeah. clearly this is probably going to work for a while so uh marriage why not you know <laughs> let's go in this with realistic stakes i give us a five percent chance <laughs> But hey, lasted seven years is actually pretty like sex with him must be incredible because (laughs) awful. I felt the exact opposite uh, just from seeing him. Fuck. I don't know. (laughs) Uh, The one flex I liked and he's just like they're mid talking. Right. Because they have the worst like introduction scene where it's just like, hey, you want to do big word foreplay? Sure. And they start thesising each other. I loved it. And then all of a sudden they're like walking through the park and in mid-walk she's like, hey, your place to fuck? And she's like, all right. (laughs) And next thing you know is just a hard cut to them fucking on a couch. But not only that, the shot that I just was baffled by who just puts a space heater one from your face? Who puts a fucking heat lamp in the middle of sex? But that's what I mean. It it shocked me. But then I was like, have I been doing this wrong? (laughs) And the answer is yes. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I I think it's better. <laughs> Clearly, if we're not gonna if we're not gonna expound upon the like will will willingness of man to become their own god in the middle of sex, I'm clearly doing it wrong. I'm gonna go buy ten space heaters right now just so I can cover it. <laughs> and right. and the thing that you left off is the space heater was creating more sweat than I so have ever sweat. seen in yeah. a motion picture, and I I mean like the entire motion picture <laughs> combined in one scene. It was like all of Rock's, Rocky's boxing matches. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, God, I don't know. I'm just such a sweater and I'm so much bigger than my wife. I would be afraid she would drown. But other than that, I'm just like, I don't think this is great, but I do like that he took a break in the middle to be like, oh, hey, nice sex. Uh, Busy thinking about Jesus and the crucifixion. (laughs) And I was like, this guy does. He has like, I don't know if it's like a cult leader mentality. (laughs) But there's some kind of like ultra negging going on here that I almost feel bad for her. <laughs> I don't know. She's such a high, you know. I don't feel bad. She again. <laughs> she knows what she's doing. She knows what she's doing. So, so Eddie, <laughs> William Hurt's character yeah. hears about this tribe that's doing like a ayahuasca ceremony, mm. and he's like, "Oh, more like out of body experiences. Great, sign me up." And then when he gets there, he finds out that they're actually doing this, like, super crazy drug that, Mm -hmm. like, brings you back to your very first self. You're, like, your, like, pre-born essence. And he does it and sees crazy visions, convinces them to give him more of this stuff, and then decides to go back home and (laughs) then, like, one-up it. By then doing it in the sensory deprivation tank. Yes. And he does it so hard and so good that <laughs> uh, he ends up uh, externalizing these these uh, trips and become yeah. a caveman and breaks out <laughs> and runs around and, and hunts at the zoo. Yeah. So great. In an incredible uh, 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 scene where he's just chasing animals as a, a caveman, um, yeah. and then he does it more. <laughs> he doesn't stop. Yeah. He doesn't go like he's just like guys. This was awesome and <laughs> again, and then literally just becomes light. He yeah, did, yeah. He, his body disappears, and his 
wife and friends, co-workers, bring him home. And when she touches him, she turns into light. And when he sees her turn to light, yeah. it's it's like he remembers his humanity. And Is that, that what was happening? Okay. And <laughs> it, it's it's kind of a beautiful and emotional ending that comes out of nowhere because sure. the entire movie he is the coldest, most unfeeling human being, except yeah. for with his sensory deprivation tank, which he loves unconditionally. Yeah. Yes. Uh and then turns into this <laughs> kind of beautiful statement about love. I I, I don't know. I'm still wrestling that's, with that. That's that's definitely a read. Um, I like to <laughs> I like to think that a young Huey Lewis went to the movie theaters in 1980 to see Altered States and thought, thought it's the power of love. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And then that what nine you guys, years later, I took the song. no love from this at all. I mean, oh, first off, this on, man, man has this to movie almost, is all about love. He has to almost murder them from dehydration just to fuck right with the space eater. And then at the end, his fucking problem where he's just like, I can't live with the pain anymore. Uh, nice try. You've saved me, question mark. Then he turns her into molten lava lady. He hugs her and she's back after he just pounds the wall. I also was like, worst neighbor ever, question mark. I think so. <laughs> right? Like, I feel like him and his doctor friend who just screams every sentence are like, I wouldn't want to live by these people. But anyway, so he goes and hugs her. And I'm like, are we just assuming that that's it? Like that seven years from now, he's not also going to be like, God, now our kids are bitches and I, I don't like you still like the space heater's broken. So that's no good. Um, the first time he's like in mid coitus with her and starts thinking about Jesus getting crucified again, she's definitely going full lava baby again. Like this, this is a, this is a time loop of terror and tragedy to me. There's nothing good about this. I, <laughs> that's I, my read. I sat down with this movie knowing it was going to be crazy. I had seen yeah. The Devils, um, the, yes. the, the Ken Russell film, The Devils, which is an inc- I would love Criterion to do to release The Devils. I yeah. that would be beautiful. They had it on their service for like a month. Now I have like some janky like laser disc reprint or whatever. But it's I- it's so good, man. It's so good. I I actually I saw it like six years ago, but I have it like on a ripped DVD. Like someone like gave me a DVD to burn, and I was like I like like it was gold, um, and was blown away by that. And this one, um, I liked just as much, if not. I literally was like, oh, nothing can top the devils. And yeah, I I loved this movie. I was transported. This is a, I mean, for me, it's the Oliver Reed factor. It's just like, that's the guy, like, I didn't appreciate him enough when I'm young, but as I'm older, you're like, I don't want to be like DiCaprio. I want to be Oliver Reed. That's the man I wish I was morphing into. So that's like the only X factor to me, but. (laughs) His voice and, and I, I just rewatched the brood again and like Oliver Reed is incredible. And I need to see more Oliver Reed movies because he, every time he shows up, your eye is drawn to him. He's like a magnet. I, I yeah. can't look away. Yeah, oh, yeah, he is the primordial force that William Hurt was searching for, I think. Oh, yes, absolutely. Alex, hit me up. What what was going through your mind as you watched <laughs> William Hurt divulge into this journey? This I is mean, the I'm... question I guess I'll ask. What the fuck was he looking for? Because at first I was like, oh, he's trying to break down this. There's obviously this philosophical undertone, right? Like he wants right. to break down religion and all this common man shit. 
But there was that weird moment when he goes all uh, trog or whatever. <laughs> and I was like, is this? Like, in his mind, right, when he's pontificating at that sandwich shop, sweaty and drunken. Yeah. Was this what he imagined? Was this in his thesis? I mean, that's the movie right there. Like, I love that <laughs> this is – I've seen Alter States, I don't know, like 10 times in my yeah. – like, from, like, my – like, I saw it by accident in high school. Like, it was just one of those things you see on, like, HBO Signature, Altered States, cool, whatever. It's 10 o'clock. <laughs> I don't give a shit. And then you, like, repeatedly watch it because, like, oh, I got to see Ape Man again and, like, all that other shit. And then it's also one of those things that's been parodied. Like, that's like I told my wife that tonight, I'm like, the one thing I remember the most now is the ending because of South Park. Because Cartman has that whole fucking fit at the end of the episode where he tries to kill his mom. But, like... <laughs> what? Wait, are uh, you telling me that South Park did an altered state? So, there is an episode where South Park... <laughs> there is an episode where Cartman, like, tries to become good. And literally, he's fighting with this other side of himself. He says, no, it's my mom. I could kill her if I want. And he literally goes through the hallway like slamming the walls doing the altered states thing and like pukes up black bile it's really fucking funny okay. even out of context it's hilarious but yeah like that's the thing that i remember the most from because of that now but i remember the first time i watched this movie going dude that guy tricked that lady into marrying him and they stayed together for seven years it's still the most shocking thing to me is like that's she what never got noticed. Like, <laughs> by the way, that dinner that they all had at that little sandwich shop where they're just drunkenly shouting at each other—you know—that's like the fiftieth time he has done that. Like, fiftieth oh, time he's gotten week. wasted and just gone off the rails. I don't think he ever talks not in like term paper. No, right. But that—that that is such an awesome scene because I love that fucking scene. Right. It's great. Again, them like thesising each other, then they get married and they're still like, ah, we'd rather work. She's like. Yeah, I'm taking my kids to Africa. Whatever. <laughs> like, no, I like. Don't they have school? Like, they have nothing going on. They don't have friends or like a grandma. Like, all right, fuck it. Like, that's fine. They'll just follow us around in our baggage. Right. William Hurt doesn't even like acknowledge his kids to say, except for once when he's like, "They think your dad's crazy," and she's like, "Yeah, I'm three. Like, I agree." <laughs> well, they try to get you to think he cares about them at the very beginning when Bob Balaban walks like, "Hey, are you guys getting divorced?" Shh. shh. Kids sleeping. I'm like, you don't give a no, shit. Okay. Come on, he doesn't man. give a shit. He just doesn't want to talk about emotions. <laughs> if you have kids, that scene is very different. That's not a, oh, look at that, dad. That's a, dear God, I have three hours to not deal with this thing. <laughs> Shut your fucking trap. That's true. That's true. You got a good <laughs> point. Is, never mind. You never right. wake a sleeping child. Still being selfish. Okay, got it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's, I love that scene. The scene where they're having the dinner in the restaurant's one of my favorites, right? Because it really is the scene to me that hammers home everything this movie's about, right? Which is, this guy is sitting here claiming, I hate religion, I hate these philosophies. He even tells uh, his friend, right? He's like, that's why I'm getting a divorce. I can't stand the rituals and the phonies and the politics behind the scenes. And as he's doing this and sweatily walking around, not engaging anyone, just fucking monologuing, right? Like he's a fucking Bond <laughs> yeah, villain. Yeah, absolutely. But he's not even including James Bond. He's just monologuing to like a beer. Right? It's the scene where you're like, oh, this guy who hates religion and all this shit, like, his religion is him. He's his own god. He's writing his right. own myths right now. And this whole fucking false pursuit is because yeah. he wants to be the guy that's doing the create. He's appropriating the wildest drugs or whatever so that that comes back on him, right? It is kind of the fun twist of the movie is his descent into, you know, static electricity sperm. <laughs> you're like... 
Okay, so the whole thing he's doing here is because he was willing to destroy his physical self so that his his god name or whatever can be synonymous with the great leap in science or whatever. Um, but you're like, when he... Because when he goes full ape, man, I think he even says, right? He's like, all I thought about was survival and eating and drinking. And he's like, it was the happiest, the most utterly happy I've ever been. I was like, that's yeah, a lie. It's hugely selfish. I, but, I don't know, you know, Andrew, if you agree. I was like, that's a fucking lie. <laughs> I know. I, I picture, like, the trailer voice, like, he was searching for the meaning of life, and it was in front of him the entire time. <laughs> And then, and then uh, Michael Jackson's Man in the Mirror starts. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, but but that scene, though, him pontificating, that was the whole... Because they had this this three-shot motif in the movie I had never noticed before that I love today. Was uh, They start bringing in the surreal pretty early in this movie, right? When he shows up to the party and he opens the door and he's just like Stanley Kubrick bat- backlit. Yeah, almost oh as if he's God, walking I love in that heaven. shot. I, that, yeah, just like gobsmacked me. I was like, oh, it's man, straight that's up Jesus awesome. stuff. Like, that's yeah. the kind of shit I love, man. Right. So he does it there. And then when he walks into the, the ritual right down in Mexico, the same thing. It's like that super hot backlit cave. Right. As he's walking in, it's fucking awesome. Right. But then at the end, as he's starting to break down, right, when uh, the, do- the screaming doctor shows up in the middle of the night. After he's like, here, have some wine. I ate a goat. <laughs> he's like telling his wife that segment of the movie. Then we do it the exact opposite where he is backlit, but his whole front is in black silhouette because he's, because he's beginning to deconstruct himself. Right. And I was just like, man, there is like some really fun next level visual storytelling in this movie. Ken Russell is a master at that. And 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 the images that he comes up with, because, um, you know, very, you know, sometimes like filmmakers will try that like, we're having a trip. We're having an experience. And it just comes off as boring. And in this <laughs> yeah. one, you just like you felt like you were going through this experience with yeah. him. And, and um some of the images of just like like you're melting into a an abyss uh really kind of affected me emotionally. Just like you just feel it in your heart, like your heart like starts beating faster. Yeah. I think it's always fascinating when visually you are made as uncomfortable as the people in the movies. Like that, I think is the thing that this movie achieves more than anything is that I am just as uncomfortable as William Hurt. Like when the first time he does the, when he does the trip in Mexico, I am terrified, if not a little bewildered, almost the same way. Like when fireworks are going off in the cave, yes. In the back of my head, I'm like, Oh my God. Like, Production-wise, I'm sure that was a fucking nightmare. There's literally just like shit going <laughs> it's on. Not production managering us. <laughs> but then, for, but like just watching the movie, you're like, holy shit! Like if you were fucking tripping balls and fireworks are going off in your face, like be fucking terrifying, no matter what. Yeah, that is the kind of shit that I love about altered states. Is all the things that are the hallucinatory moments make me not necessarily feel hallucinatory, but disheveled and uncomfortable watching the movie itself because then when we come back to the real i'm i'm almost changed as like william hurt in a way like you're just like well who the fuck wants to stay here when there's crazy (laughs) shit and i can literally turn into ape man and not care about anything else you know (laughs) that's amazing 2020 has been like the year of turning into the ape man though like i'm over I just like speaking of of eight man like I love anytime I watch a movie and I'm like how did they film that like 
they were allowed to let someone into the zoo to chase the animals? Like, like who, <laughs> you wouldn't be able to do that nowadays. And, like, so, them firing um, um, fireworks at him in the cave. I'm like, no one would be a... Stag would be all over you. See, I'm not the only one who thinks like that. Absolutely, only James Cameron can do that to actors. No, I mean, there's a scene when he's the the guy. I mean, one he fucking smacks a dog. That's like a big no no. But yeah. he has a rock, like a fake rock in his hand, and he fucking hits an elephant in the face. And I was like, there's like a one out of ten times where like that elephant's like, hey, fuck you, and kills you. <laughs> Yeah, like oh, right, or the elephant who's like, "Hey, I fucked that elephant," and he comes over and kills you. Like, <laughs> yeah. there's a lot of chances that could have gone, but he jumps up and fucking smacks that thing between the eyes. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I went to a, a, a my my friend worked at a zoo, and they had like double <laughs> fences for the elephants because she's like, "Yeah, elephants like don't know how big they are, and yeah. they will crush people, even like unintentionally." <laughs> so I'm just watching the scene like this is so dangerous, and I love <laughs> I love that he did this. He really didn't care. There is that really nice like French Connection stunt thing going on while he's running through like smashing elephants in the face with rocks. Like he could have died right there. He, that guy was like a ballet dancer too, like a famous ballet. Was he ballerino. really? Yeah. Well, because I wonder because they gave him the blue lenses, and I was like, did William Hurt like really learn to traverse obstacles like this? <laughs> no, that's like definitely not. That William is Hurt. incredible. <laughs> it's not William Hurt. That's movie magic, because I bought it. I was like, I think that's William there Hurt. It is, man. <laughs> he, shrinks, he shrinks and becomes a small, you know, Cro-Magnon or whatever. I thought whatever. it was like some Andy Circus stuff where he was just, like, changing his posture. And I was like, my God, look at the commitment. <laughs> but, like, that was his first movie. And, like, the confidence that he shows in the yeah. role is astounding. You're like, of course this guy became a star. Yeah. Yeah. Him and Blair Brown are fucking next level, man. I can't believe I that I texted Griffey earlier when I was watching it and I was just like, him, Bob Balaban and Blair Brown, like this movie in any other actor's hands does not feel correct. Like that swagger that you're talking about is so strictly William Hurt. And like you can see it even as he's gotten older. Like I think about other movies I've like loved him in, like History of Violence and even like Movies where he's, like, really boring, like, too big to fail. I'm still sitting there and just in awe of, like, this fucking guy who's just like, I got this. It's 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 unteachable. But it's not even it's not even a, a like, he's trying to be sexy. It's, oh. like, he is so fascinated by whatever it is that he's interested in that you're fascinated. And yeah. he doesn't care if you are fascinated he doesn't care if anyone else cares about it he's <laughs> so uh secure with himself that you're drawn to him yeah yeah it's 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 a it's a skill it's a talent i, I think maybe he's just born with it i don't know yeah it's well, he has yeah he has the amazing like i know i'm the best man in every room thing which works for a really good arrogant you know because this movie is essentially jekyll and hyde by way of like timothy leary and joe rogan <laughs> i don't know if that's like tagline worthy like they're probably not going to promote it but that's how i would tell people to watch you know if they're doing this wow. but what i love about what he does in the movie that i think is a bit shows that this guy had the extra gear is the vulnerability he shows in the uh hallucinations because i think yeah. for a guy like him it's like yeah you're tall handsome 
You look like a professor. You just talk down to everyone. I think that's a little easier for a young actor to take on, right? Because you're projecting this outward front, right? It's the kind of like mask or costume that helps you get through. But like the scene in the cave, right? Where he's first doing the ritual and they're fucking drinking his blood and the root. And he just sees like, oh, these guys are doing the same thing as me, but they must have broken themselves down enough to where it's not affecting them. And I'm just this fucking white devil who has all these like baggage things. So now I'm going nuts. But the, the, vulnerability of when he's doing those things right like and again that you got you said something earlier about like the uncomfortableness of the imagery it's so funny it's like i was raised very religious right and i haven't been in a long fucking time but it still gets me every time i see that like fucking nine-eyed goat jesus yep you know what i mean you're like i shouldn't be watching this like what if <laughs> you know? it takes me back to that argument you used to have with, like your religious uncle where he's like well you know if I'm wrong, nothing happens. That's what you think. But if you're wrong, hell. And I was like, right. damn, that's like a hard argument to beat when I was nine. Anytime I see stuff <laughs> like that, I'm waiting for my mom to walk in. And I'm like, oh, what are you watching? Oh, my yeah. God. But that's like, what I mean. He projects this amazing vulnerability. Because that's the thing. He's playing this outward like, I am the god of this realm. Everyone must bow to me. But when he's in that tank, he can't hide from himself anymore. So yeah. as an actor, being able to make that switch and play weakness while pursuing god i think it's a really good a really good illustration of why he became who he is i thought that was really fascinating to watch i'm I'm just i'm like reflecting on alex saying that he saw this in high school like if i saw this in high school (laughs) my brain would have it would have been like a blender i don't like (laughs) would i have like (laughs) come out the same person i don't know I mean, I, it was basically as if I was a Cro-Magnon man watching a movie. I'm like, I have no idea what this is. <laughs> oh, but tits, cool. Like that's yeah, all you were it was, like, you were like, like Kubrick's apes, and you're just like, oh, oh, yeah, <laughs> just like banging my head on the monolith, not learning. Yeah, you're anything. like, I have like, no idea. Well, that's I saw it, man. This is how this is gonna make me seem old, and I did drugs too young. But I saw this movie stoned in a garage. My friends like garage. His dad had like a VHS TV combo. And so we were smoking in a garage watching this movie on VHS. <laughs> and uh, I think that's the fun thing about watching it when you're young and, and stoned is that you're like, I'll just take out all the big questions this movie's like playing. Like, <laughs> like literally, I'm just like, oh, man, is this guy banging with the space heater? And oh, man, is that ape guy like eating a goat? That's awesome. Right? Like, you don't worry about what's happening. You're just sitting there going, oh, that's fucking cool. Yeah. <laughs> So the movie really works on both levels. (laughs) Yeah, I do think about like what my notes would have looked like if I was doing a podcast when I was in high school watching this movie. Like I saw boobs and uh, heat lamps and I don't know. I think I saw a whirlpool at one point. But either way, cool movie. No wonder he saved his wife at the end. Did you see that ass? Dude, (laughs) that would have been like the high school podcast. (laughs) Right. Like today I'm writing notes like, huh. This movie does ponder the nature of man versus God really fast. And he's like, fuck you, yeah, old Alex. Yeah. Just- no, I do the same thing where you're like, God, stop pretending you know stuff. <laughs> like, just you don't know. And that's what the movie gets to eventually, right? It's, right. There's nothing. There's just yeah. nothing. That's the only truth. I don't know, man. I One of the things I thought this time, too, that struck me as really interesting, this movie has a really weird zag in the middle of it where – if you watch the first like 30, 40 minutes of this movie, the thought that this becomes body horror, oh, I yeah. think is unfathomable, right? Yeah. Like to go from the the Ken Russell Jesus imagery, the 
You know, when he's fucking one of his grad students and he's just like his floor turns to lava and he's seeing things to go from that to the arm and the stomach uh, in bed. Actually, those scenes are together, right? He's in bed when he feels the yeah. stomach. But then to go to that to Trog, what do you guys, Andrew, what do you make of that? Why, why veer it into this physical realm? What a weird choice. Um, well, well, that's a tough question. Um, I, 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 to me, that was just like the next logical, like if you go deep enough, of course it would start, you know, becoming external. And I think that that added to the mystery of what, cause like, if you don't go external, mm-hmm. then it's just someone doing drugs in the desert. Right? <laughs> <laughs> a fucking hipster, yes. right? Yeah, like at some point, you right. have to take it out of the tank. Is this a tagline oh, for the movie? Oh, well, shit. Done. well done. Well done. <laughs> because, be, like, just just thinking from like a like a story perspective, like you keep having to one up yourself, right? Like it keeps hmm. having to get bigger. Yeah, and right. I think that like him transforming is really when the movie starts to go like. Oh shit! Like, like he could like really hurt himself. Not just like in a drug-induced thing. Like this is like, like messing with the code, his DNA structure. Yeah. Um, and it kind of really heightens the entire end of the movie. Um, I was I was just about to say something. Um, oh, I was uh, an aside. I love that the guy who wrote the screenplay wrote the book. Yep. And it's the only book he's ever written, and it's the only screenplay he's ever written. And Ken Russell, apparently Ken Russell was just, like, a hired gun, and he hated, like, all the dialogue. And so just, like, had, like, <laughs> people talk over each other, just like, ah, fuck it, it's all, like, nonsense. <laughs> and, like, the screenwriter was so furious with him that he, like, didn't, like, put his real name in the credits. Oh, yeah. No it's Patty. It's supposed to be Patty Chayevsky. It's Sidney Aaron, which apparently are his two middle names. Yeah, I <laughs> one. I love that. I love that. This is what a Ken Russell hired gun movie looks like. Like <laughs> just full on over the top you, commitment. <laughs> I mean, what luck, you know? Like that's like. I mean, that's like your best case scenario for hired gun is like this is the enduring quality of this movie. I fucking love that about that. I was reading he was the twenty seventh choice. Apparently, that's what his agent told him. <laughs> Would you love to be in the Warner Brothers screening room with the executives seeing this for the first time? Oh, and God, they're yes. all in their little buttoned-up suits just being <laughs> horrified. Just really dragging on those cigars. What the fuck have we done? <laughs> Was that guy made a putty? What the fuck is this movie about? Yeah. I don't understand what's going on. The marketing guy's just like, apes are in. Apes are good. I can w- apes, apes will do. Like, there's a plan of the apes. Like, I'll be... <laughs> Something. Like, the marketing person definitely was like, "Oh, I'm getting fired of this fucking shit." <laughs> I like the idea that an executive walked up to the marketing guy and goes, "Well, for good fucking luck, I'm gonna get out of here. I don't want to deal with you anymore." <laughs> if this film doesn't make back its budget on weekend one, you're fucking toast. <laughs> you're never working in this town again, you son of a bitch. Okay. I'm not. I have no inside information, but I would be shocked if they didn't actually float the idea of actually providing drugs to the audience <laughs> like I, I guarantee you somewhere in some back room in some meeting guys like people love coca-cola drugs can go in coca-cola they won't even know what hit them <laughs> for sure someone was laying out this home alone plan 
Well, the Hammer films did it, so... Uh... <laughs> yeah, for sure, right? Um, I'd be down I, for that. Like, how sad the state <laughs> of our industry where it's like, you, I could never picture Warner Brothers putting even a cent into a movie like this nowadays. No. I mean, oh, no, like a big tentpole movie? No. No. Well, yeah, that's the thing is it would have to be like so blown out and it would have to be like, I mean, you could get great actors to do this movie, but like any sort of remake like this is almost impossible because it can't be a huge budget movie. It has to stay, it has to stay in that mid range and they're just not going to make those kinds of movies anymore, which I think is, that's part like, it's the same thing that happened. Like they did the remake of flatliners, which <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't watch. I was I, like, I watched about 20 minutes. I'm like, nah, I can't do this. Like, yeah, I, I don't cheat on Oliver Platt first. Yeah, off. I can't Everyone cheat on it. Platt. So, you know, yeah. it's well, no, it's like, but think about the, like the last movie, even similar to like extravagant, like big budget kind of a horror science fiction thing. I was like, maybe I was kind of shocked by what Get Out got away with, I guess. Mm. But other than that, you're like, I mean, there just aren't those kind of movies. Now you see stuff like Andrew's movie, Rot, Possessor. Like there are movies like that coming out. In that kind of small, small market, because yeah. you can take more of a shot. I think the smaller your budget is, the more it helps you to go in that direction, right? What a you just, you just put me in. You got, got <laughs> dead out on one side. Ooh, feeling that. And then the other sandwich cookie is, um, uh, yeah. wait, what was it? Possessor. Possessor. I was like, yeah. honored. honored oh, I mean, they're both movie. looking right up at your taint, sir. Your movie far surpasses... <laughs> Those two, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but no, I. But that's what I mean. I think you you made a really interesting movie that goes out there, right? Yeah. Like your movie's not just something like my mom could have on while she's like baking cookies and follow. You know what I mean? Like it's one of those you got to sit, you got to think, you got to grapple it, and it goes for it, man. And I like the thought that we can't get more movies like Altered States nowadays without it being that thing where it's low budget, it comes in under the radar might get washed in the deluge of, oh, Netflix has 15 new series of TV every three days. Like, it's it's hard for smaller movies to rise above sometimes, you know? You know I just, like, I need to just always re-watch Reanimator if I'm ever yeah. like, oh, is this yeah, too absolutely. far? Like, severed head guy being put in, like, onto a naked <laughs> girl to eat her out. Like, like, I always need to keep that yes. movie somewhere in my mind to go like, no. I need to push beyond that. Right. <laughs> like beyond reanimate. No, but what I'm saying, it's like that famous Seth Rogen quote, right? Where he's like, his favorite movie always says is total recall. And he's like, that's the movie that taught me. He's like, audiences will go as far as you can take them. Like audiences will sit there and do what, like, if you think about total recall, you're like, how was that so popular with so many people? Like that's a wild film, right? And it's got all kinds of crazy shit in it, but, you know, they just made this super enjoyable, you know, fucking roller coaster movie. Yeah. And that that's always something that stuck with me is the movie. You can get way out there. Right. And I think this movie, again, it had with your Ken Russell's in your cast. Like it is. I think it is. It's just that rare kind of like lightning in a bottle scenario, like totally. how you got all this fucking talent on this. I mean, I don't want to call it insufferable, but the characters themselves are insufferable types of people. Right. And they're all doing this like, you know, I am better than everyone else who's ever. They're really hard to latch onto and root for anyone in this movie. Maybe that's the best way to put it. Right. <laughs> I, You know what? I do. I think I'll disagree a little bit 
in that I it's kind of got that that maybe that Christopher Nolan thing where it's like all of his characters are so driven. And I think yeah. inherently an audience is fascinated by people that are so driven that yeah. the normal day-to-day things that everyone worries about, they don't give a shit about. Oh, yeah. And I think that there's, yeah, there's because that is that is the closest that human beings will get to being superheroes is the person that is so driven by, like, their search for something yeah. that 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 supersedes all else I, and and i love that i love those characters so i even though like definitely i'm like well i would definitely never want to be friends with this person <laughs> or you know yes. i don't even know if i would want him as my professor at the university because he probably <laughs> was a terrible professor oh yeah um but uh but i am fascinated by his journey by his journey yeah i agree i agree with you andrew i think the drive is the thing that makes him relatable and makes us care what's happening by the end of the movie in any way. Like that is what makes that, that is the probably the most human thing about him and everything else. Of course. Yeah. Like I would never want to meet this person in real life. Right. Ever. I mean, I, I agree with you. I think like, I'm one of those people. I look at like the rocks Instagram and I'm like, fuck that guy. I was like, <laughs> fuck the rock. Like that guy's not happy. I know a guy who knows the rock and he says the rock really is just nice and happy. I was like, yeah, right. That's a serial killer front. That guy never hugs his kids. He's a terrible, like, you know, <laughs> I don't buy into this, this myth making of the ultra productive man. It's funny you said, cause I watched it today and I was like, I had my three-year-old and my five-year-old. I was like doing the home alone dad thing. And I'm like, I got to watch this fucking monkey movie. I got to fucking, you know, make empanadas. I got to do all this shit. And I was like, this is really hard. And you got to sit down and color and do all that. So having that day where you're like, I got to be a good dad. And then watching this movie where, he literally never addresses his children once. Like, even when he's in his post, um, I was a whirlpool and then a sperm in your hands, and I came back, and now I'm just in bed. They wake up the next morning inexplicably both naked, right, uh, before they go full lava and TV static. And uh, she gets a phone call. She's like, no, no, he's fine. God, I'll call you back when I'm awake. And she's just like, oh, good. I thought it was the girls. And my very first thought is, they didn't leave those kids with a babysitter, did they? They just <laughs> left them in the house to fend for themselves. <laughs> like, that's the kind of people you're dealing with. And I think those people are... I think what happens in this movie and a lot of those driven movies, it is fascinating to us because we can't do that, right? We can't diet. We can't do this. We can't do that. But I think what we're really rooting for is to see this guy go into the abyss. I don't think we're really hoping for him to come out and have, as Andrew said, like a possibly romantic and satisfactory ending you don't like my interpretation of the ending no i love that you're that optimistic i love that you're that guy and if that's the way this movie ends i think it'd be the second weird zag for me right like what a I what a weird thing the for us to part accept. about the movie is literally the love of someone who he's pretty much divorced himself emotionally from well is what brings okay. him back also, I would say it's not that he loves her. He's like, I love that you stop me from regressing back into the whirlpool. That's love. Like, I mean, come on. You're it's married. like me saying You're as a married. diabetic man, God, married, I love my insulin. 100% be a fucking feral, primordial, hair-driven man running around uh, Indiana right now. Who, me? Yes, you. I'm not you, that far from it. Yeah, absolutely. I know. You would have regr- you would have regressed <laughs> already. Amy is your Blair Brown, man. She's pulling you back from the primordial ooze. I mean, she's the one who keeps opening my sensory deprivation tank for sure. Thanks a lot. 
for that. <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe you're bumping against this movie, the ending, so much because it it hits too close to home. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> That's it. I just want to devolve faster. Stop it, wife and kids. Shit, dude. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, mean, I don't know. I'll see. I'll be this interested deeply, to see what the this audience. Deeply, this movie is deeply therapeutic for Griffey. I think. I feel. <laughs> I think it's weird because maybe I. I wish I was. William Hurt and I could just be a shitty father and husband and do whatever I want all the time and I just can't like I can't bring myself to do it I love that they and Ken Russell even goes so far as he's like he cast Drew Barrymore and is like like backless or she's like glowing she looks like the cutest fucking kid in the world and wait 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 uh, wait, 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 wait. Drew like, Barrymore is his kid in this movie what Drew Barrymore is yeah, one of the Drew kids. Barrymore was it she's the kid who he says you're they think your dad's crazy I don't know if it, she, she's the one. She's the one who walks into the kitchen. Yes. Yeah, that's and she. He's like, yeah, they think your dad's crazy. Like, wow, what a great dad thing to say. You haven't seen her. She's been in Africa for eight months. Yeah, yeah, it, no. it's really her, that's Drew Barrymore. And, and Holy shit, Bill Hurt's first movie. Yeah, yeah, their there first movie. I did not know that. Well, that's extra horrible. Then <laughs> <laughs> Drew Barrymore was just surrounded by horrible role models. As a child. I mean, you. She turned. Yep. Yeah, look what happened during our teenage years. Okay. But she persevered. Bill she, she escaped the uh, the trog fucking <laughs> survival phase and she is now a fully formed uh, godlike figure herself. <laughs> yeah, I, God, I don't know, man. There's just there's so much in this movie that I, I it just it baffles. I think to Andrew's point is it's just like I love any movie where you're just like, how the fuck did they pull this off? Like not even like a tech, like how the fuck. Did you get this movie made? Like, how oh, yeah. did you convince a bunch of people that this is what we wanted? And lo and behold, it's exactly what we fucking wanted. <laughs> I also like we've we've movies have really I'm not going to bash movies. Modern movies are great. Um, but <laughs> I saw that Scorsese eye roll. Ooh. Uh, <laughs> there's just something about watching a movie where. Every single shot is purposeful. Yeah. And it's at no point can you watch a scene and go like, oh, man, you know, they got a, a bunch of coverage saving the day uh, for this. Yeah. Like every <laughs> single angle was carefully composed. And I am I am just so thirsty for that again. I really want to, yeah. like, watch a movie. And, and like, that's why, like, you know, whenever whenever something really great comes out that someone has put so much thought into, um, it feels special. But that's the thing is, back then, you could not have a career if you couldn't do that. Even on movies like Ken Russell, uh, from what I read, Ken Russell didn't really, he was just brought on and it was a paycheck movie. And he treated it like it was a passion project. Yeah, and I feel like those are the only films you see nowadays are the passion projects where the person actually treats every frame like it matters. And I, I, I miss, I miss when every movie was like that. I guess. Marvin, yeah, good. well, it's it's exceptionally interesting for this movie too because the way the movie is so purposefully shot and laid out, it extends this dreamlike quality, right? Because. You see, what I like about this movie is that it's both ambiguous and meticulously planned, right? Because I think a lot of times, to your point, drug and dream sequences fail when they're too hyper-specific 
Yeah. On what we're supposed to be knowing that they're learning in their drug trip, right? Mm. Whereas I think Ken Russell just excels it. Like he probably is like, oh, I've been here, I've done this, I hang out with Oliver Reed, dude, I know what's up. <laughs> and he's just like, I'm just gonna put shit that I know will elicit this fearful, this is unsafe reaction from you. And then when you get stuff like him entering the party, backlit like that, it makes you feel like there is this ominous, almighty power behind the real world frames of the movie. It's it's really strange, yeah. but. God, yeah, man. I don't. I mean, I'm with you. It's it's weird because I think this is the thing too. I was a screenplay analyst for a lot. We've all probably written screenplays, and you read all the books and shit. And it's like the amount of movies I go to, and by 20 minutes, I'm like, I can tell you every fucking thing that's coming for the rest of this fucking movie, and you're just like tuned out. You're like, Ugh. right? Like, <laughs> like I can sit on my couch at home, and half of the movies I watch, I'm just on my phone now because you're like, got it. 15 minutes in, you're like, got it. Know everything that's coming. Maybe they'll get you once, and that's all you hope for. And I, I don't know, man. There is there is this massive disconnect that I don't know how we bridge that anymore, right? Because, I mean, maybe when you're making a movie that's going to cost... Like, there's going to be a billion-dollar movie before you know it. And you, I guess maybe you just can't play down to, like, the niche audience anymore. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know. But I, I do want to... And you kind of touched on it, is, like, what fucking genre is this? Like it's yeah, it's. It, I mean, you could say it's a drama, but like that doesn't feel right. It is scary <laughs> at times, but yeah, I don't. I, I don't know if I. It's. It, I mean, and it does. It is thrilling. I, it's like I don't know. I, I don't feels, know how to classify it. There's a. I thought about this too when I was watching it because, like, for me, Altered States is a prototype movie for a lot of. It's the forefather for a lot of like analytical science fiction and analytical like metaphysical thrillers that have come out since then. Like the things that I think of when I watch Altered States are specifically The X Files and Fringe, which are two TV shows, obviously, but those are two things that I remember specifically watching. Be like, all oh, this, some of this feels very Altered States. Fringe specifically had, I mean, not just because Blair Brown's in it, but also because there's a lot of like, the quest for godliness in man in regards to that kind of thing. So for me, I've never been able to, I agree. Like it's like five different genres for me, but to me, it's always been about meta. It's, there's always a lot of metaphysical. Um, it's metaphysical to me at least, but that's yeah, not I mean, a genre. That's literally just a word that you can <laughs> use to describe something. That's one of your fancy college boy words. <laughs> you also went to college. No, don't, don't try. I mean, I was there. I, I was there technically, but yeah, <laughs> No, um, to me, this is a straight up horror film, right? And I don't, I'm one of those people too. I think all of the best science fiction movies that I like play as horror films mm -hmm. because they're really fucking scary, right? Like yeah. I don't like science fiction where it's like, shit's going to be okay. Like you're going to have a better iPhone. You're going to have a robot girlfriend. It's going to be great, right? Like that doesn't, all the science fiction I really like works as a horror film to me. And I think it's, this one taps onto the, just the existential question of like, is there a point of any of this? Um, right. Anytime you start asking the question, is there is, I can't remember the famous quote, right? And it's whether there is or is not a God, either answer is the scariest answer. You know, mm -hmm. like that's a horrible butchering and paraphrasing of that quote. But it's like, imagine if we're just absolutely alone and none of this matters. It was a random accident. That's kind of horrifying, right? Now imagine that there's some fucking creepy old man making us go through these fucking horrifying events day to day. That's really fucking scary. And 
to me, just the thought of a man goes in a tank and comes out as an ape man, right? And, like, you could just be walking down the street. Next thing you know, this ape could be fucking beating you with your minimum wage baton. Like, that's a fucking horror movie. When he, when he, when you don't know it's going to happen. Yeah. And, like, that, like, it's an explosion or something, right? And then, like, like, they, like, the ape jumps out. It is, it is truly scary. Oh, yeah. Very well done. Yeah, I mean, the zoo scene is, I mean, they just redid that for American Werewolf in London, right? Like. That I mean that the movie to me is horrifying. Like uh, the wife at the end has a great line where she's just like, of all the men in the world, she has this really weird line where she's like, "I tried to fuck every guy in Africa, didn't work." <laughs> right? She's like, "I just kept thinking it was him," but she says the line. She's like, "I am possessed by him," and to me, this is kind of on a minor level, like an exorcism parallel to me, where they're all just possessed, like Andrew said, by this fucking driving force to find some kind of fucking need or something. Uh, you know, like when the guy finds out they're getting divorced, he's just like, you guys have it made, man. She's an all-time lady, kids, money, your professors, but they're fucking miserable. And to me, these are all horrifying concepts. You know, the fact that I think it's one of those really scary things we all ask ourselves because we all have these things at the end of the line, right? Well, if I just make this much money, if yeah. I just buy this house, right? If my kids can just be healthy, right? Even lower ones, we all say, oh, man, I would jump off a bridge if my kids would be healthy forever it's like eh, would you like come on but like we all say that shit a really small th- bridge yeah yeah right like <laughs> i'd suffer like, some broken legs like a bridge <laughs> the, over a crick perhaps you know oh uh, uh, robin hood men in tights <laughs> yeah, right. there you go <laughs> i would jump off of that bridge yes i will do a backflip off of the tiniest crick bridge no but 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 think about this, though, right? It's the man who gets everything he wants and realizes it's not enough. I don't know. I I think to me, maybe I just am realizing from this movie is I'm very cynical. But you're like, all of this shit is really horrifying to me. Uh, I I don't know. This movie, to me, it makes my skin crawl a lot. Uh, I just I think this is an absolutely terrifying movie. Uh, And I think that's one of the things like if you've experimented with drugs at all. I think that's one of the interesting things about William Hurt's character. And you see it a lot in the ritual scene, right? A man like that who's so used to dominating his environment and being in control, you know, having a doctorate by 25 or whatever he says, super smart. He goes in there and he's just like, yeah, I got this. I do drugs in a tank. No big deal. I have a scuba suit. It's really cool. I'm awesome at drugs. And next thing you know, he has no control. Yeah. And he's absolutely loose. And he's almost mad at the, the tribe when he leaves. He's like, they're fucking laughing at me. And so that kind of guy who's so in control all the time, hallucinatory states are extra horrifying that that bad trip is usually you can't control what's happening to you. And that's when you spiral out. So I thought that was a really fun extra layer too, man. I don't know. I think this movie is just loaded with horrifying concepts. I, I, yeah, it it was one where the movie ended and I was just shocked that I don't hear people talking about it more often. It's weird. (laughs) It is it is so masterfully made because it really down this rabbit hole with him mm-hmm. and uh, it's one where like the movie doesn't spell everything out. Mm-hmm. It leaves enough dangling there where you do question. Well, what did the journey mean? Like, what was the point of all this? And and um, 
is it, do, am I happy for them? Am I like it? It it really does not hold your yeah. overall, and that I really appreciate that in a movie. Like sometimes it's great to watch a movie. It has a great message, ties everything up at the end. There's nothing wrong with that, but I do love that there is space in filmmaking for mystery. Yes. And for the unknowable. And I always appreciate when filmmakers attempt to film the unknowable and attempt to to bring you on that journey into the unknown and make you question um, what you just saw. And I I, I think that that's admirable. And I think that it's very it's a difficult road to traverse. Like, I think that it very well could have gone horribly wrong. Yes boring or you know gone up its own butt i think this is not a pretentious film no it is filled with pretentious characters yeah yeah, the yeah. Movie. i think that's what a really makes good it de- not pretentious de- separation yeah i agree with you on that yeah i i think that the, and it's weird i actually wrote a bunch of notes about bob balaban's character because i really like characters poor, in movies poor that, bastard yeah but see i like people like I like characters, especially in these kinds of movies that are real people placed in these situations because Bob Balaban is a real person who's experiencing something phenomenally weird. Like William Hurt is a written character in a movie, but Bob Balaban is the real person like this, not necessarily an anchor or anything like that, but an actual person who has to be the witness to these events. Like I love that opening where he's describing the tank. Because I one I personally I love the first tank. I'm always sad that that's not the tank throughout the, the first movie, tank the is way cooler. Yeah, I just <laughs> and it always is sad that that's not the set piece through the movie. But I get it. Like you know, you gotta have space. Well, it's also it has like that awesome old like submarine window. You're like, imagine rad. the visions oh, through first that shot. first shot of the movie. It's yeah. First shot of the movie. It's awesome. Like, whoa, okay. <laughs> but I love that Bob Balaban starts the movie like. He's just got that great timbre, that great, uh, that great monologue at the very beginning, just literally describing like this is what the movie, like this is what the movie is going to be. Like I'm gonna start you off with a really simple explanation of what's happening, of what we're doing, because it's again, it's the same thing we talked about. Like we talked a long time ago when we watched Psycho, where not everybody knew at that time what like psycho, like psychotherapy was, psychology was, and so on and so forth. I still don't think everybody understands what sensory deprivation tanks are meant for. So I love when people explain those kinds of things at the beginning of the movie, because I don't feel like it's just needless exposition. What it is is setting a tone for the movie to give you the understanding that there is some scientific merit to this. There is something going on. And I like that Bob Balaban does it because it cements him as the real person who has to literally sit through all this crazy shit that's about to happen. I really like that. I mean, and Cronenberg and Carpenter do the same thing where they'll weave yep. in science into their storytelling, into this horrifying thing that they're they're about to take us on. And I and it may yeah, it's it's almost like a Crichton novel where it's like, here's the real <laughs> science, and then he like tweaks it ten percent and you're like, Oh shit, like yeah. Is there a tribe in Mexico that does this crazy shit? And like, maybe I should try ayahuasca. I don't know. I, you know, could ingest some poison and vomit up spaceships. Like, that seems maybe like a good idea. <laughs> no, I mean, I think this phase of the movie, though, is what's exceptional. Because I, I think you could argue whether the wife feels like a real character. 
she I think there are characters like that in the world, but I think for the average moviegoers, them as a couple are just not going to get us there. Right. But the the friend who just keeps is the doctor Mason, who's just like, God damn it, enough! I'll yeah. report you to the board. But then he comes back and he has the, one of my favorite lines in the movie where he's just like, Someone's got to keep an eye on you two sorcerers. <laughs> and he's just I, like there with this cigar. It's like I love these fucking guys. And what I said is that segment of the movie has a real Jaws vibe to me, right? We're going to need a bigger sensory deprivation tank. Like It's yeah. just those guys sitting there talking about this uncharted water and this right. unseen fucking monstrosity. I like the bond of them, even though the one friend is just constantly yelling at them and 100% destroying a handkerchief with goat's blood evidence. That's uh, a weird extra scene they just added. But still, you like that guy. You buy their he, friendship. He is so... Like I love, I love that character because he is just as curious and driven as them. But yeah. he is not willing to take it all the way. He's the but Scully. He has to be yeah. there. Yeah, he has to be there to see it. Got to be there. Eyes. He has to be the witness. Well, that's, it can't be Balaban because he's yes. in. Yeah, he, he's in, and that's the thing. By the end of the movie, right when we have our poltergeist ending with the fucking bright lights and every time they look they're blinded and they pass out but she can go further because she is possessed by him and loves him um when they come back to that apartment you see him still trying to like check his vitals and shit but you can absolutely tell everyone in this room their lives are over yeah right like all of them as they existed before essentially have died and will be either pariahs that no one believes Right, they will keep this a secret, and it will eat them up from the inside, and they'll all kill themselves, or they will keep doing this, and God knows what they'll unleash on our society. Like these, these small, and that's why I think those two characters in particular really work for this, because they leave the apartment. We don't see them turn into like lava butts and whatever. Like they're out there in the world, and we have to contemplate. Oh, so now these normal people, right? Not these like professor types or whatever. These guys, for the rest of their life, every single day are going to have to grapple with what the fuck they know. And how do you do that as just a normal person? That's uh, that's fascinating. I love that you said that because I was so focused on Hurt that I didn't think about what it meant for them. And you're right. Like, like what do you do with this information when you've seen it with your own eyes mm-hmm. and you've kind of unlocked a little bit of the secret of the universe, but it's like scrambled your insides. Like you like they're never going to be happy. (laughs) They're never going to be sitting on a park bench going like, Oh my God, the sunshine feels so nice today. Like they're literally always in the back of their mind being like, Oh, fuck. Yeah, their lives are yeah. all garbage now. <laughs> <laughs> well, like his friend, right? The guy who's all the way in who has his own pregnant wife. You're like, that guy has his own family that we've seen. Yeah. That's over. Like, That's my good. mind immediately leaps to, like, close encounters, right? That's just a normal, everyday guy. And he is confronted with absolute, undeniable proof that there is life in this universe besides us. And that he's just like, his family disintegrates. At the end, he walks on that ship. I guess they're just going to, like, have to... Well, Dad had the only job. I guess we're homeless now. Uh, we'll eat the cat and see if how long that lasts us. Like, that's how Close Encounters ends. You know what I mean? And, like, the, all these science fiction movies, I think it's so important to have an anchored person that feels like they could be our neighbor. Totally. And be like, just imagine if all of a sudden your neighbor's like, dude, there are people with fucking gorilla throats, and they fucking mutate. Like, I've seen the x-rays. There's gorilla throats. You'd be like, oh, man, that guy just found InfoWars. I can't hang out with him anymore. And then they're just gone. 
<laughs> like they're just gone out of your life. Like that's crazy shit. <laughs> yeah, the, all of his neighbors are like, "Oh, that's like that's great that you are excited about your research." <laughs> <laughs> like, okay. honey, kids, come back here. Lock the door. Lock the door. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I I think, but that's like one of those small things. This. I feel like this movie never misses a beat. You know what I mean? Like, there's just not a dropped ball. I think the only thing I left the movie wondering is, again, I think, and maybe that's a good thing, right? Because if you just, it, it reminds me a little bit of the Prometheus paradox, right? Like, Prometheus is a movie that wants to be an Aliens movie, but also wants to be this philosophical tree stand, the most important question of all, right? Like, why are we here? And they just do it like a fucking teenager sixth grade paper. And you're like, if you're going to tackle the big questions, don't try to answer that shit, right? We've been trying to answer that forever, and we'll never answer it. Right. And I think him just being like, I was there at that moment, right? The moment this all started, it was just an absolute... And he even says that nothingness was fucking terrifying, right? Because mm -hmm. earlier we hear him, and he's like, when I only had to survive, right? It was just a beast of food and survival. That was the most fulfilling time of his life. He realizes even that survival instinct is good, right? Because when he truly gets to nothing, which is what it seems like he wants, he describes it as terrifying and endless, right? Yeah. So maybe that's maybe that's what the movie wants to leave us with. You can keep going down this road, but you're just going to end up like him, just this miserable fucking deformed monster, you know? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, don't, I, I don't think this is a movie that can end with like, a, what's in the box? You know what I mean? Like, you can't... I'm and, open the and tank like, and no. for all of its religious um imagery um it is you know it's the burning bush right yeah it like like you can't see my face because it'll melt you like you're right. you're done yeah. um and this is a group of people mainly william hurt who want to see the face their yeah. people yeah. are telling them this is a bad idea and they're like <laughs> i don't care i'm gonna see yeah. it i'm gonna i'm gonna get to the other side yeah. And that's the thing. Even if it's for like a, a narcissistic, selfish reason, that almost makes it better, right? Because to be selfish and then be all the way broken down into whatever the fuck he is at the end, he looks like a Zygon from Doctor Who. You're like, all right, like, awesome, man. That that works for me, right? Like, the, I think that kind of shit is... There's just like so many small moments, right? Like when she enters the 2001 montage, right? Where it's like sperm and light and pew, pew, egg, eyeball, pew, pew. When she enters, right, and she's, like, flowing hair like she's in Xanadu or Flash Gordon, she has no clothes on. But when she reaches her hands out and finds his head, she still has her wedding ring on, right? Because yeah. that love for him, that's, I was just like, that's such a small little fucking thing, right? Why be, yeah, why we be go. naked? See, we got him. We got him but there. But then you yeah. have the ring, and you're just like, fuck, man. That like, was good. We locked that in, Andrew, and now, now Griffey knows. It's the movie's about love. The movie is about love. You didn't. You scoffed. You scoffed at the beginning. I mean, it's definitely about the weaponizing of love to ruin another oh my person's God. life. Nice try, man. It's cool. Don't worry. Listen, it's. Fine. I just feel like she should have married any other human being on earth. Well, that is for damn sure. But you know, that's right. not ours to judge. <laughs> like, had she just married uh, Bob, right, the technician? They're just having a great life. Like their life is stellar. <laughs> just researching and kid making. She literally just had to look to the left, and Bob Balaban was right yeah. there. Just because Bob Balaban's like, that's the guy you really want to fuck. She's like, all right, I'll give up on this perfectly good keeper right here. I don't know. William Hurt, I mean, he seems like a keeper, but yeah. All right, final, final summation, man. 
If you had to give like a one or two sentence, why is this movie just so absolutely endearing and uh, eternal? I think that it captures a little bit of the unknowable and it takes you on a journey, not an emotional journey. I think it Mm -hmm. makes you feel how these characters feel looking over the cliff into the abyss. And I think that that's should be celebrated. Fuck. Yeah. What do you got, Alex? Honestly, I couldn't have said that better myself. I'll add that if they I'll ever make this movie, uh, that Werner Herzog needs to be the radiologist who says, he's a fucking gorilla. That's it. <laughs> Why is he Australian? I don't know. <laughs> no. Herzog talks, like, talks like this. Wait, Griffey, do it. The ripples of the creek swirl around the brain like <laughs> snowflakes falling from the mountaintop onto the tunnel of... God. Uh, no, now it's Irish. I can't do it. I can't do it. I've, I haven't worked on this my... man is the gorilla. But if we are all honest with our true God faces, are we all not the gorilla? I don't, <laughs> Perfect. I don't know. That was, <laughs> that was very good. Griffey's been working on it for a while now. I've so. been working on it. I'm not great at impressions, but I've been working on it. yeah, man, I think what this movie does, I think is one of the rarest and most exciting things in a movie is that it, it makes me feel truly unsafe. Right. I love any movie that can take me all the way out there and everything is fucking scary. I don't know what's coming at next turn. And you get to ponder those big, scary things about existence that you don't really ever want to do in your normal day to day life. And movies is a great medium because you can you know, you're safe, but you feel unsafe. Right. And I think maybe like 10 or 15 movies in my entire life have done that. And this is one of the best ones that do that, man. So. Just as an experience, it's a, it's just an abundance of excellent craft. I just I can't imagine that anyone's ever like, hey, do you want to watch Altered States? And I'd be like, Psh, boring. Like, that's just <laughs> never going to happen for me. <laughs> yeah, like, Impossible. I'll just always be excited to spend time with this movie. I do have to admit, I am kind of keep glancing off to the side because I have um, right to the side of me a full... <laughs> Why was that not on the camera? Why oh, was that not in the background the entire time? I keep catching him out of the corner of my eye and doing a little bit of a. Who's there? So, Danny DeVito. Uh, my girlfriend bought this and sent it to her sister as a gag gift, and her sister sent it back, and it has terrified me at least three times when I've come around a corner. And Danny DeVito's been standing in my apartment. Yeah, weirder thing to make love right next to your face. Yeah. Space heater or Danny DeVito cutout? DeVito, Danny DeVito cutout and a heat lamp. Those are the only <laughs> things you need, and that's your night's set. You're devolving right there. I don't know of any other... I don't know I've, if I've seen any other Ken Russell movies, but... What do you I got? Do Rip, know, list them off. Um, well... So after it altered states, because the reason he actually had to take this is because he was the 27th in line because he made a movie called Valentino right before it in 77 that did not do well. (laughs) Oh, you know that that's crazy. You know that that's. (laughs) So the movie he did after altered states was in 1984 and it was an erotic thriller called Crimes of Passion starring Kathleen Turner, which I might have to watch. I've seen that. You have? My mom loves that movie. Yeah. Well, there you go. Uh, (laughs) That movie's awesome. In 86, he did a movie called Gothic. 87, Aria, uh, Salome's Last Dance, The Lair of the White Worm. Oh, Lair of the White Worm. Oh, Lair of the White Worm. I want to see that. Is that good? I really like that one. It's very weird. It's got Hugh Grant and uh, a young Peter Capaldi of Doctor Who. It's fucking fun, man. It's it's not 
when you think about that movie through the lens of Altered States and the Devils, it definitely doesn't hit the levels you think it will. Yeah. But it is very fun. It is very fun. I had no idea he directed Lair of the White Worm. There you go. Yep. And then, uh, yeah, The Rainbow, The Russia House, Prisoner of Honor, and A Kitten for Hitler was his last one in 2007. I've seen The Rainbow House, yeah. All right, I've seen some Ken Russell. Yeah, I think yeah. I really think Altered States uh, and The Devils are just far above the rest. Granted, I haven't seen half of them. The Russia, the Russia House, is that with Sean Connery? The Russia House, yes. I believe, is yes, with Sean, Sean Connery. Connery. Yes. Interesting. Sean Connery. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think Criterion just needs to have a Ken Russell month and just have like 15 of his movies up on the service. Yeah, I agree yeah. with that. It's necessary. Yeah, Criterion's amazing for that. Ken Russell deserves it. Uh, man, the de- the devil's too. Like, it's just, it's hard to find. It would be nice if they brought that back. Yeah. All right, Andrew, we want to thank you very much for joining us. You are a stellar guest, man. This awesome. This wonderful. This has been so fun, and I I was like, man, Altered States, what? This movie's so out there. I don't even know if we're gonna be able to get past the summary, but uh, <laughs> this was good. This was very good. I liked digging into this film with you guys. Thanks, oh, man. Glad. Yeah, we'd like to hope that you think this ends in a romance and not a horrible <laughs> us falling into chaos together. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! All right, well, Andrew, you are welcome back anytime. Uh, the weirder the Please. movie, the better. Uh, guys, go find Andrew's movie Rot. Uh, where? When can they find that, Andrew? When's that hitting on demand? It's already out, right? It, it's on Amazon. That's the place to look. We we want to kind of push everyone in that direction. So Amazon yeah. VOD. Um, I, I'd love to talk about it with you guys, but uh, I I saw Altered States and I was like, we I need to talk about this with. <laughs> I yeah, so we'll be reviewing uh, Rot next week, early next week, before we start our stocking stuffers, guys. So get your picks in for movies you'd like to hear covered. Also, uh, word to the wise, make sure you purchase Rot. Yeah, Because you're going to want to watch rent. this one more than once. Oh. Uh, believe yes. you me, you're going to want to watch this one one more than once. And, uh, and and rate and review, guys. Rate and review. Apparently, that's the big, the big thing that Amazon looks for. Apparently. Well, now we know. Everyone, leave that rating and review. Uh, Thank you very much, Andrew. We hope to see you again soon, man. Same to you guys. Bye.